Yo, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Men Thrive, where you know we just talk to brothers. Um, and it doesn't matter who they are, where they are, what they do, how they do it. The only thing that matters is that these are brothers that are committed to thriving over surviving. And we want to allow brothers to hear conversations that help them show up whole, operate in joy, and live with power. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited today because um, my, my brother is here. Sometimes I'm like my little brother, but but he's such a big dude, man, that sometimes I feel like he's my big <laughs> little brother. Um, but but what I love is that you may know him from different spaces. You may have heard his music first. You may have seen him on television first. Um, you may have just seen him moving and shaking first, but it doesn't really matter um, because regardless of the vocation he's showing up in, uh, he just shows up with a level of excellence and thought and even in an industry that is so insanely um, populated with people trying to be somebody else, uh, he constantly shows up as himself. And then whenever I see him, he's an evolved version of that self that I saw the last time. And so, y'all, it's, it's, it's my huge pleasure uh, to welcome Tristan McWiles to the show. What's up, brother? good man that that's a that's an amazing intro i appreciate that oh listen, no listen bro I, I tell cats all the time that um we don't get excited enough about each other and yeah. and like i invite brothers to this show either because i know them and i'm inspired by them or i don't know them and i'm inspired mm -hmm. by them and i don't want to give just some bio introduction that that Very true. only really says what you do because what you mm -hmm. do isn't who you are and, and for me, it's 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 in this business, you know, the people whose energy you connect to, you can't fake that. So yes, I just I want to exactly. share that. I want to celebrate that because it's so often we um, we're critiquing each other, um, mm. whether it's just around what we do as an art form or because we've made a public mistake or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. but we don't go as hard about being excited about each other. So That's I'm, I'm, very, I'm very just true. excited about brothers who, in all of their imperfection and nuances, just keep coming. And yeah. so, yeah, man, I, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of you. And I'm excited for you, man, this, this, um, this new place that you're in. And, and I want to get man. into that. But, but I'm, also, I'm also very interested, man. Um, Having come through the other end of Ramadan and, and, and you said something interesting, which was it doesn't matter what religion you are. And mm -hmm. I think that's confusing for some people because some people are so rigidly dogmatic. Yes. That it's like, yeah, like I can't embrace anybody else's tradition because that might Jesus might be pissed off that I'm doing Ramadan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so it's, it's, it's a trip, man. So like you and you and you said you've done this. So so. Talk to me mm. about that a little bit. I mean, is 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 the Muslim so, uh, faith? I grew up in, I grew up in a house. I grew up in a house that kind of uh, grew up in a house where you know my mom was uh, Catholic. My dad started Catholic, but uh, my my uncles and all of that, the ones that were kind of like in the Black Panthers and all of that, they become uh, Muslims. And um, as as my dad started to realize, uh, you know, the different. Um, different things with, uh, within the faith of Islam. Uh, there were certain things that we started to take on as family, like, you know, so 
as a family, we stopped eating pork for a while and we stopped like um, just certain little things. Um, but it's always made me, and he's always pushed me to learn more about the Islamic faith. Like uh, whenever, whenever we'd be in the, my dad's barbershop and somebody would, you know, talk about the Bible, he's like, well, have you ever, have you ever read the Quran? And, you know, everybody would always be up in arms and all of that. So it, it's, they've, and my mom has always pushed me forward too, which is, which is weird hearing from a Catholic mom, you know, Spanish Catholic mom at that, you know, she's, she's very much a, uh, I want you to go out there and learn about the religions of the world. You got to, who, who am I to tell you where to fit in? That's very non-Catholic. Of her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and people, and people get it twisted too, man. Like, like the, the, the Catholics who I know that are in other parts of the world, like the Afro-Latino mm-hmm. Catholics, like it ain't no game, bro. Nah, that's their life. Like that is literally their life. Like this is, it's, there's no other, there's no other way. There's, there's, there's no questions, no, uh, no commentary about anything else. But my mom has been very, uh, my mom and my dad, man, they, that those, that's one thing that I can say that they really pushed all of us to kind of like run towards, um, you know, my mom still has all of her Catholic ideals and, and uh, mindsets, but she is, she's always been very much a, uh, like, please go out there and you have, to, you have to find yourself for you. I don't want you to be pushed onto anything. Uh, so yeah, I, I've tried, I've, I've done Ramadan a few times. And, um, it's, it's, it's so crazy. And every time that you do it, uh, you kind of you come out of the you come out of the other way of Ramadan differently than you went in, and I don't know if it's if it's just all of the time that you're spending you know not eating the time that you're spending you know praying what again praying to whoever you pray to, uh, or just uh, just observing how I guess you know you, there's there's not much that you you're, you know a lot of times we 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 feel like, Oh, I don't understand how I'm not going to be able to eat, how I'm not going to be able to drink, but it's, uh, understanding how much your body can actually do. You, you always come out of it differently, man. Mm. And, and I've always found, and I'll be, I'll be very honest. I've never done Ramadan. Um, I have so many friends who are, um, in various sects of, of the Muslim faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've, I've gone through fast. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that there there's something to understanding that it's not I, I think what what's wrong with dogma and and what and what I unfortunately hear from a lot of Christians is the Christian faith through its dogma and its traditionalism has often pushed more what you can't do as the focus yeah. as a fo- as opposed to even the language. And, th- and this is not me pitting religions, y'all. So don't don't come at me. Um, <laughs> I, I think that there is, however, this ancient kind of narrative around Ramadan, which is about clearing the path. Yes. And so it's how do I remove these things as barriers to spiritual and mental clarity? And mm-hmm. so it, so you're not focusing on what I can't do as much as you're focusing on where do I need to be so that God can most clearly speak to me? And, yeah, and, and I don't hear that. And, and that's not to say I, I do hear that from some brothers and sisters when I hear them say they're fasting, but so much of the narrative is about, well, 
I can't do this for 10 days. I can't do this for 15 days as opposed to, yo, I'm trying to clear the space for everything God wants me to hear about myself, about the world around me, about, about where I am, about where I need to be. And, and to your point, I, I think that's why, whether you're fasting and that's your focus or whether it's Ramadan and that's your focus, why every time you do it, it's something different because you're in a different place yep. every time. And so what you're hearing from God is different. It's different and, and what you and, and what you're being convicted about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's different. But what's crazy but, yeah. about that, Tristan, is, is I feel like COVID is an un is is almost a forced Ramadan for some folks. Yeah, for a lot of people it is. And it's like for a lot of people you, it is. You've been forced to look in a mirror uh in ways that are sometimes scary as hell. Yeah. Because because again, the busyness of moving is what's in the way. <laughs> yeah. And this has cleared it's, that it's, path. It's really been a time to really it's it's really been a time that everybody's kind of been forced to sit down. And um, I mean, and it's so crazy. Like you look in the trades and everything, everybody's, every celebrity is talking about how, you know, they, they, they're sitting at home with their kids. They don't know what to do or their loved ones, their, their significant others are getting on their nerves and it's all over Instagram and Twitter, but it's so the funniest thing is even, even with the quarantine, man, this is the time that, I'm so I'm I'm instead of looking at this time as a burden or as anything that's that's bothersome. Of course, I'm I'm human, so I get restless. But this time is amazing, man. I I was I was gonna be working. I was working on a television show. Uh, it's called Swagger with uh, Kevin Durant as the executive producer. I was working on a show. I would I would have missed like my daughter's my daughter first time eating solid foods like I would have gotten a video of it or I would have gotten a video of you know my daughter saying her first couple words like you know I, I would have missed all of these moments I, I, the, the, the relationship that me and my girl have now is way stronger than anything else because we've this you're you're forced to kind of just sit down and and think and figure things out versus uh, even if you ever get into an argument, you sometimes you could leave, or you you know people people go to sleep angry. It's you're you're in such close quarters that you have to you have to figure things out, um, and you really learn about the person that you are and the person that you're with. Mm-hmm. So, well, let, let's let's go there for a minute, man, because mm-hmm. like you a whole dad, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And um and and a new dad. And so I I feel you in a lot of ways. I I want to get to I want to get to like what this period has been about, but tell me cuz I think there's a lot of brothers that feel like fatherhood starts the moment your baby is born. Mhm. I'm curious for you like when did fatherhood start for you? When for you was it totally real and you dove into it in a way that it was like, yo, th- I am now Tristan Naomi Wilde's daddy. It was it was when they told us it was a girl. Mm. Um uh 
mind you, we've been to the we've been to the doctor. You know, we've heard the heartbeat, the whole nine. And I don't think I was. I don't. I think both of us were were nervous going into the first couple of months because uh, we lost the baby the first go around. So um, going back into it, we were just like, listen, we're just gonna pray. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But we're, we're just gonna pray. But after we finished that first three month hump, and they were like. Uh, mind you, this is even a funny story. The, the nurse came in. We kept on saying, we don't want to know. We don't want to know what the baby is going to be. We want to be surprised. Uh, we want to be surprised when she comes out. Um, and the nurse came in and she said, oh, my God, so how is she? <laughs> like, well, all right. There's the su- surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what did that do to you in that moment? Man, uh, I think it was it was at that moment that everything kind of became real. So let me ask you this, man. You um I've always known you to be an incredibly positive dude. Um mm-hmm. like you know when the world the world tells black men uh don't show emotion like of any kind. Like literally don't don't be too happy. Don't be sad don't be this just be this stoic figure that um shows this image of antiquated strength but you've never really been that dude like you 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 have seen you've seemed like there's a level of joy in who you are and what you do and i'm curious like one where does that come from for you and then two how did this new chapter impact just where you were emotionally Hmm. uh you know i think to answer the first question uh i've i've so often sat back and 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 watched watched from the sidelines as you know even i think it started with like 90210 right i think a lot of times i was so I was so nervous to to do anything wrong um, because of the pressure of being like the only black kid on such a television show, like probably like the first black lead on a CW television show. Uh, so with all of that pressure and, you know, people actively telling me like, yo, this is, you don't understand how, how big this is. Like, and it, you, nobody will probably understand it, but it's it's big. And I'm like, dang, okay, well, I got to make sure that uh, everything I do is, like, upright, prim, proper. But it, I don't. I think it wasn't until after 90210 that I got tired of just sitting back and, and holding my tongue, whether it was from a joyful place or whatever type of emotion that I was feeling. Um, and I think that's another reason why I kind of leaned into music. I, I had that to, I had that to my disposal to mm-hmm. that. It was my, it was an escape for me for a long time, just to kind of like write out what I'm feeling and get it on paper and all of that stuff, man. And something that you really could control because you weren't reading somebody exactly. else's lines or trying to go into somebody else's creation. That was yours. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it it was like when the music really started to come out and everything, I was I was able to be unabashedly myself 
and not really worry about and, and and not think about what anybody thought thought about what I was what I felt just be able to just feel um wow and I, I guess for the for the so second not, so, so so straight up it, it was not only a creative outlet of something you loved to do and wanted to do but it was therapeutic yeah yeah it, it, there was there's always I, I always say the best songs are, are forms of therapy right um there, there's always something cathartic about the, the 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 that writing process the recording process the the like once you actually get it out it's it 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 pulls it's kind of it's it's just like a detox mm. it just pulls it out <laughs> of you um so the music always did that for me like whenever i was able like whenever i the right song came on like whenever i heard the right beat or in with the right producer who could pull the right thing out of you and they press play on that record and the the pen hits the paper it's a whole everything that comes out of you it's real mm. um so yeah that's that was that's the reason for that um and i think growing up or just having to having to grow up uh so fast uh I I feel like in my twenties I had kind of a, a a regressed childhood in a sense, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I being fifteen, sixteen with your own apartment and bills and stuff is crazy. <laughs> uh, taking care of your family and all of that stuff at such a young age is crazy. So I, I I had to do such adult things at a young age that I feel like in my late twenties, like for for like five years, whatever, I, I got a chance to kind of just be, just to kind of just feel how I wanted to feel, do what I wanted to do. But when Tristan came, that's when it was like, oh, now now you now it's it's more than just being now now you have to be for a little girl and you have to be for your girl. Like it's it's game time. Like this is everything else was minor leagues. This is the big game. So let me let me because I want I want to talk about the business a little bit more and just where mm-hmm. you are and and even just some of the some of the road that you that you took to get where you are. That's that's different in a lot of ways than some of your peers. But I can't do that without talking about your lady um, <laughs> first, because we you know, we we talk about this birthing process and our, our children and becoming fathers. And, you know, that doesn't happen without a woman. Um, Very true. It just biologically there's just not a way for that to happen (laughs) and and spiritually and psychologically hopefully there there is something there that that pushed us into a place to want to do this whether it was intentional or not and and you said something really dope to me you said Mm -hmm. everybody says their woman's their rib um but she's my backbone uh yeah and this business is like if you don't have a backbone you're a gutted fish and that, that can mean a lot, Tristan. So like when you say she's your backbone, what, what does that mean to you? And how do you put that in context for people who like just don't have a real understanding of the depth of the relationship that you all have had? Um, well, first to speak on the depth of our relationship, right? This is uh, when I was I, when I was 15 years old, I got I, I was cast for a television show called the wire mm-hmm. i was 15 um 
in Baltimore, um, turning 16, had my own apartment, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, I had I had to have a guardian out there, so my older sister was there with me. But literally, I had like it was it was my space. Um, I met Christina on the set of The Wire. Um, I met Christina when I was 15 or 16. Uh, she played one of the students in the classroom. And from then on, um, we were, we were on like just on and off. It, it just felt like, again, no matter who, who else we dealt with and everything, we kind of always found our way back to each other. Um, so we, we go before, before like, me being famous or anything like that before anybody even knowing anything like we were we were just kids on a set she didn't even know who was like and I think that was one of the genius things that they did on the wire they didn't tell anybody who like a lead actor was or this or that it was just on some like nah you know everybody's y'all are all kids in this classroom you know y'all y'all will figure it out um so uh fast forward uh I I think me and Christina, we, uh, we, she's, she's very fiery. Like she's a, she's a firecracker. Whereas me, I'm more, I, I'm, I'm more of a softer, more methodical kind of guy. Um, I try to think things out. I, I do have times where I, I, I want to explode, but I don't because I know, I, I know ramifications of it and stuff, but she's the person who kind of is like, uh, she's more of a, a backbone to me where it's like, yo, we need to move on this, or yo, you should be more assertive on this, or yo, your, your thoughts aren't being taken, uh, your thoughts aren't being taken into account for certain things. So uh, as, as my woman, she's, she's kind of the person who kind of keeps me, kind of just keeps me as a, like, tip top shape as a, as a man as I possibly can. You know, I, I think a lot of times as a man, I'll be nonchalant about things or I'll let things kind of go to the wayside where she's, she's more of a, nah, we need to focus on this. Cause th- even though this is a little thing, this leads little things will turn into big. Things. Yo, what's crazy about how you're talking and, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Cause I, mm. I, I listen to people and People say a lot from what they say, but they also say a lot from what they don't say. And Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing you say, but not say, is that this is your partner. Like this ain't this ain't my girl who's along for the ride of where wherever I say we're going. Or this isn't somebody that's looking for me to give her identity. Like this is my partner. And Mm -hmm. she is speaking into me in the moment because we actually have aligned destinies at this point. And partnership isn't what everybody in relationship is. No. Um, so it's, one, am I getting that wrong? No, you, you get that. That's literally right on the head. Yeah. And, and so how did you make that decision? Because was that, was that I saw my parents be partners, and so this is kind of what I think a relationship should be? Because um, I don't guess that that was what every relationship was. Like, no. so, so how did you decide, yo, I want a partnership versus a relationship? I think it was one of those, uh, I think it just happened, right? Where as we continued to grow up, 
and you know go into our, our separate fields of expertise we both a- accumulated certain knowledge that helps each other mm. so even with her she she's more in the, like uh like uh, talent relations and and marketing and uh <clears throat> so even me helping her with certain things marketing wise like yo you need to think about this or yo this is dope why don't you think about things this way or i've seen this work this way uh, and her on doing the same thing on my side, we've realized that <clears throat> not only not only do we love each other, but we've become um, indispensable like assets to each other. Uh, and and that was even before like that would be times that we're not even dating. Like we're, we're not even dating. We would be we would like not talk for months for damn near years and then she'd see something that uh was posted or something that she didn't like and she'd call me and be like listen i didn't like this this that and the third they need to fix that blah 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 and it's like all right i hear you all right cool Uh, so it was always it was always that kind of it was always that kind of vibe but yo that's i mean some some of my team and i have been talking about some of the stuff that we're doing and um I don't know if you sense it, but there's a real interesting dynamic between men and women right now, especially with black folks. And I was like, I really want to do this whole thing where we talk about respect before romance. Cause I Mm. feel like we're not really mad at each other. We mad at that nigga or my daddy stuff or Mm -hmm. my mama issues. But Mm -hmm. like, brothers don't really hate black women and black women don't really hate men. We haven't been able to get out of the disappointment from ill-fated romantic interludes versus you, my brother, you, my sister. And I see inherent value in you disconnected from what you can do for me. And it sounds like y'all were friends, like legitimately. And yes, I mean, romantic stuff is there and all that, but it, it sounds like, like you saw her and she saw you and despite where you all were romantically that that never stopped and and to me yeah. that's like that to me is the is the soil that's necessary for a real partnership because if all we do is are enamored with each other and in these flights of fancy then <laughs> there's no real glue when yeah, stuff no, gets tight real. yeah it's real it's real uh, i i it, it takes that I've, you know, being in different, being in different relationships, you realize, I guess, what works and what doesn't work. Um, and then the relationships that worked, it was, it was about being friends. It was about having, having a place, having a common ground that you guys can always come back to. Um, and for me and Christina, it, it was, it was just deep. Like it was again for, for, for me to to get I'm I'm stubborn. So for me to even pick up her phone call when she's when she's when I'm when we don't we're not talking for God knows how long and just to know that okay she saw something in TMZ or okay <laughs> uh, she saw that thing I posted let me uh, she's going to say something. All right. What's going on Christina? All right. Cool. Uh, so it's, let me it's ask always you this, it's like- a, always been a respect thing with her man this is this to me is like the critical question and and most dudes i ask be lying mm-hmm. so you could just be straight up with me if you don't want to answer right? <laughs> but, 
do you remember the moment you decided this is it? Like so, like so for me with my with my current wife, we were early in the relationship, mm-hmm. but it was serious. Like like real interaction, real engagement, real investment, real connectivity. I loved who she was. But I was still moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in my own mind, you know, she had a key to the crib. She was at the house most of the time. So she was the main one. Yeah. And in my mind, that was enough. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until she had came back from a trip, a work trip, and like her phone keeps buzzing in the middle of the night. And so hmm. I'm going to be straight up. It's my house. Yeah. <laughs> so I look at the phone <laughs> and she sleep. And I'm like, yo, I'm reading text messages and I'm getting hot. She like, yeah, let's meet up, blah, 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 blah. So I, so I wake her up and I'm like, who the fuck got the area code, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm waking her up. She's totally confused. And it's like, that's my cousin. I'm like, I read the text, motherfucker. It's not your cousin. Like, I'm, I'm all in my feelings. Know. I'm going off. And I was like, you got to go. Because you lying, whoop-de-woo. And as soon as she left... I literally was convicted in that space and was like, nigga, you doing the same thing. Like, you done had a conversation with somebody else. You done mm-hmm. talked about hooking up with somebody else. And and so I checked myself. And after after I had to apologize to her mother for kicking her out of my house <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning, because I'm just that kind of dude, uh-huh. I was like, okay, I tell you what. I am willing at this point to commit that I don't want a plan B. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to get rid of these numbers, I'm going to stop having some conversations with some folks, and if we going to do this, I am willing to not have a backup plan. Yeah. And like that was the moment for me. And I'm wondering if it's le- even if it's less dramatic, was there a moment yeah. where you were like, you know what? Christine is it, and this is it. It was um, I, 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 I trust me. It <laughs> it happened. Uh, mind you, like I said, we were we we've constantly gone back and forth. It was our it was our thing to the point where, to the point where it was it felt like okay, this is just this is just what we do. Like it's, you know, she'll have a boyfriend or I'll have a girlfriend or whatever. Um, it, it wasn't until this last go round. When we, you know, I was, I, I was like, all right, we're, we're, we're playing with the thought of the notion of, you know, her being my girl again and everything. And, uh, she gets pregnant and this is the first time around. Um, and because of the pregnancy and me still being, you know, outside and moving around certain spaces, uh, even just not being mindful of, I guess, being home at certain hours while she was pregnant, uh, it literally still focused on me more than anything else. Uh, we got into a really, really big fight, like a re- a big explosion, uh, to where it, it felt like it was, um, it, it, it wasn't going to be reconcilable. Um, 
And we even played with the idea of, okay, well, we're having this child, so I guess we're going to co-parent because we obviously are, we obviously don't work well together. Um, after, after we lost the baby, after we lost the baby, um, we, we both, I took her on a trip. We, we went on a trip to Antigua. Um, randomly, I got a, like invited to Antigua and I was like, listen, um, I, I, I barely want to go anywhere because of the thought of us losing the child. And I know I don't want you in the house, just kind of sitting there dwelling on it. I know we're not, I know we're not cool right now, but like, you know, if you want to, if you want to roll, I mean, you could, I mean, we could go to Antigua. <laughs> the passive aggressive plea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, she, she, she wanted to go. She said, cool. And that time in Antigua, I think I, we had a conversation and I told her, I said, listen, if we're going to do this, um, if we're going to do this, if we're ever going to have a child again, I want to make sure that our relationship is intact. I want to make sure that me and you, uh, that me and you not only love each other, that we know each other. Mm. I was like, it's one thing to love each other, but like I, you, you've grown from the girl that I've known when I was a kid and I've grown Mm -hmm. to be a man that you don't know. Uh, so I think we need to spend more time understanding each other and, and learning each other as people and as friends and, uh, you know, really establish a relationship. She said, cool. And, um, I think from Antigua on, uh, I don't know if it was just the beautiful landscapes, the, the, whatever, it was just something about that space being there with her that I was like, I'm cool with this. Like if, if this is what, if this is how it has to be, I'm cool with this. Uh, you know, we, we, there's, there's a million different ways that this could have went, but I'm, I'm happy here. And from there on, like literally maybe a, like three, four months later, we found out she was pregnant again. And I looked up, I was like, God, you're hilarious. (laughs) You are comedy. Like, all right, this is all you wanted from us. All right, cool. No, but that's um, but that's dope though, man. Because I think, I think a lot of people feel like relationships are just supposed to happen. Nah, and, man. And or or that if their work is not right, and and that's just so twisted. Because I'm excited about the fact that I always want to work with my wife, like she yeah. gets on my last one. And she knows all my buttons and, and every single, like the older we get, the more I notice myself not falling, not falling for the old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, you know, those moments where normally you be out, like I'm about to go smoke a cigar. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I remember the moment where I was like, no, I'm not like Jeff. Don't leave. Don't leave right now. Like literally, even if you don't talk, don't leave. Don't leave. Because because that's just the 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 worst kind of precedent you can set is mm. is running away or or leaving in the midst of disagreement. Uh, cuz that's not how you find each other again. Yeah. And and the finding each other is just dope, man, but 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 also I just love what I hear from you is that I just don't I don't believe that love keeps people together. I believe that light keeps people together. Yeah. Because you, you can love the hell out of somebody that you don't like. 
But when you like Absolutely. somebody you love, man, that's different. Man, that's a that's a that's a damn show for quarantine because it's a bunch of people <laughs> it's a bunch of people right now in a house with people they don't like <laughs> yeah, oh man, man. so let, let me do this bro I, I really appreciate you you going into into that because like i said man we, i i do want to talk about the work stuff and i want to talk about where you are right now um mm-hmm. but but the work isn't what makes you you yeah. and and i'm really excited about sharing brothers with brothers who often never get to meet real brothers because even in our own circles we got cats that would literally die for us who yeah. we don't let get to know us um and and so i i, I want to change how we talk to each other and what and 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 showing also man that it's power in that it's power in letting the brothers who you trust i'm not talking about putting that shit on a t-shirt and telling everybody no. I'm talking it's, about it's, there, there are cats in your circle who deserve to know the stuff you're embarrassed about. And absolutely. in that, that's really where the iron starts sharpening the iron. So I, I really appreciate that, man, because I'm I'm so excited about getting to a place where brothers um, is crazy in, in a world that is killing us, literally huh. riding in the back of pickup trucks with guns to come get us or yeah. police officers or uh, us as a result of our own issues coming at each other. Like in a mm-hmm. world where that is happening, it is insane to think that the that we would actually rob ourselves of humanity by saying we shouldn't feel um, <clears throat> and we shouldn't talk. That, that literally is playing into, you talked about, we talked about reading, reading the script that somebody else wrote mm-hmm. for us. Like that is literally reading the white supremacy handbook of saying, don't feel, don't show emotion, don't talk, don't express. Um, and now we can keep killing you because mm-hmm. you are now trying to be inhuman in the name yeah. of thinking that makes you strong. And so I'm gonna get off that soapbox, brother, but I'm just, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's so important to me in this moment in particular, because this is a moment where brothers in particular can find a way to shift kind of the, the lowest common denominator of relationship we've been having with each other. Um, yeah. So this, this is fantastic. Um, now let, let me, let me switch gears, man, because you talked about, you talked about getting a role on this show called The Wire. And... <laughs> I told my producer today because she made the mistake of admitting to me that she's never watched The Wire. And I said, Ooh. you know, you you might be fired um, because I just don't know if I can trust somebody that hasn't watched an episode of The Wire because you, you, your, your judgment is now, your judgment is now yeah, it's skewed. It's skewed. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm curious because HBO is such a... Um, HBO as a as a as a content provider um, has been an anomaly in that they have consistently invested in content that didn't become critically acclaimed until two seasons after other networks would have dropped it. And so when you got on the wire, did you really even know what you were on? Um, yes. 
my mom, my mom was a huge fan of The Wire. Okay. Ironically enough, my mom was a huge fan of The Wire. So I, I would watch every Sunday with her, uh, to to see. You know, she was a fan of Idris Elba, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> like every woman in America. In the world. Um, <laughs> Mars and Jupiter. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yo. Uh, so she would watch it for for Driss and. I remember, you know, watching it with her the the entire third season. Mm-hmm. And um it after the show ended, it ended and then there was like a year period that they didn't do anything. Like that we thought that the show was over. People were writing HBO trying to figure out if the show mm-hmm. was coming back. Then finally they they said they were coming back and they were doing auditions. Um and uh, with the auditions that they said that they were doing it for kids. Yeah. And I remember me and my mom looking at the script and I was like, the wire <laughs> for kids? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Uh, but hands but, down, the dopest season, in my opinion, of you. the series. Thank you. I mean, it, 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 it humanized the show in a way that hadn't existed before. And to me elevated the social commentary of Baltimore um, and the country in a way that they couldn't have done any other way. Oh, it was so beautiful, man. I think, I think there's, there's, there's something to be said about the genius of, of, you know, David Simon and and Ed Burns, you know, they, they illustrated it in such a way where it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's like, like a Quentin Tarantino movie or it's like a, uh, or like a star Wars, like star Wars, where it's like, you know, you go through the first couple of episodes. I mean, you go through the first few seasons and really the very beginning is episode three. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the very mm-hmm. start of everything. Cause that's where you see the drug dealer become the drug dealer. That's where you see the drug addict become the drug mm-hmm. addict. Like that's, you see the, you see the, the origin stories of all of these, of all of these archetypes that you are, that is thrown throughout the, mm-hmm. uh, the world of the wire mm-hmm. kind of see how they become or what, what different things can push people to become certain things. And, but to your point, yeah, the, the maturity of patient character development is just mm-hmm. not something one that I, I don't, I don't think network TV based on how it, how it green lights and how it cuts mm-hmm. even gives the room for, um, and, and so, yeah. so, I mean, how did, so, so damn, I mean, you're, you're a fan of the show. Yeah. Then you're auditioning. Yeah. <laughs> and then you say yes. And was, I'm, I'm curious, was, was the character Chris always Chris? So when you got it, did you, were you clear about what you were getting into or was it, was it, you thought one of an ensemble of kids? I I, I knew, I knew it was going to be an ensemble. I knew it was going to be an ensemble because when we auditioned, when they, when we auditioned, we all like for the last audition, they brought us all together. Um, So you knew it was going to be the four boys. Um, and when they first went out, like when they went out for it, there was, it was the, they wanted the four boys. They wanted Michael, mm-hmm. they wanted Randy, they wanted, uh, they wanted Naaman, they wanted, uh, Dookie. They wanted all four boys. So, uh, at first when I went in, I auditioned for Randy huh. and, uh, wow. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, and I got actually pretty far with the audition. Um, 
it wasn't until we met with the producers that the producers were like, we can't have him play Randy. Like he's, he's at, even at that age, I was too big of a kid for other kids that they were going to hire. It wouldn't look, it wouldn't make sense that uh, I would get beat up and pushed around like that. They were like, he would fight back. I said, all right, (laughs) thanks. I guess. Um, And then weeks later, they called me back. They said, Hey, um, we want to bring you down to Baltimore. There's another role that we want you to read for. You want to bring me down to Baltimore to read for a role? I was like, all right, that sounds fine to me. And uh, they sent me down to Baltimore. Uh, and little did I know it was like the final audition for everybody. So mm. I met, I met Julito. Well, I knew Julito from Miracles Boys, but I seen Julito on the train there. Uh, I saw uh, Maestro Harrell there for the mm-hmm. first time. I saw um, I saw uh, Jermaine Crawford, who played Dookie for the first time. That was the first time that they kind of like, they had us come up at separate times, but we were all in the rooms together, so we knew each other. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy. And from that point, you know, uh, after that audition, and, you know, David Simon pulling me to the side in the middle of the audition kind of pulled me. To, he pulled me out of the room. Uh, he said, listen, he said, you're an actor, but I don't need you to be an actor here. He said, I just want you to think when you're playing this character, just remember less is more. He's like, when you're jumping into the skin of Michael, just remember less is more. Always. You don't wow. have to do anything. And everything, and you, everybody will see everything. <laughs> I said, Okay went back in there, killed it, and the rest was history. Wow. Wow. And so did you, did you, I mean, because those kind of roles can be a blessed curse mm-hmm. um, because you were so dope on a show that was so critically acclaimed. And I think it's even happened for some of the other cast members that it that it's been difficult to navigate beyond such a powerful mm-hmm. archetype or or uh cast type how was that for you i mean obviously you you navigated beyond it but but how did you was it was it as simple for you as as reading for other for parts or did you really was there a calculated strategy for you in post michael what do i need to no. do to not be michael in every every show that i do I think it was more, I think it was, a, it was a little calculated on my part. Right. Um, I remember right after we finished the second season of the wire, you know, uh, just like, as soon as we finished, I graduated high school and, and I remember sitting back and feeling like, okay, what am I going to do now? And my, my, my acting, um, my manager, uh, they called and they were like, listen, we have uh, we have two roles on the table for you. I'm like, okay, this is dope. Uh, and God always, throughout my life, God has worked in very weird ways like this. I'm like, okay, we have two roles on the table for you. I said, okay, cool. They said, uh, one is an audition for uh, Little C's in the in the Biggie movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, C's, that'll be fire. Um, I mean, I was like, my only problem with doing any type of uh, biopic is that I want to kind of look like the guy so I could, or at least to some extent be even the same skin color, whatever. Yeah. You're, but you're, you're, you're not, you're not little C's at all. <laughs> at all. 
but C's wanted me. That C's like they asked who who did they want C like who did they who did C's want to play him? And he was like, Nah, I want the kid from the wire. Mm. Um so they were like, Yo, we have this on the table for you. And we also got a call from um from this television show called uh nine oh two and oh, you know, if you want to audition for it, the producers are asking about you. Um, they want to, they want to have a phone call and then they want you to uh, audition for it. I said, I could do C, I could do C's very easily. You know, that, that would be, that would kind of stay in the vein of Michael in, in essence, uh, just a more young rowdy version of Michael. Uh, I was like, or I could do something completely left and really, and really shoot for this 90210 thing. And I said, "Hey, let's 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 try nine hundred two and Let's let's go with that, man. Just a, a literally a decision I made in ten minutes on some like <laughs> on the phone, just trying to talk to the agent. I'm like, uh, nah, let's let's do nine hundred two and I feel like that that audition would be cool. Completely changed everything because it opened it opened you up to. A whole new world of possibilities because now oh, you're man. not the kid from the wild. Exactly. So let me ask you this, man. How? Because there's there are so many actors and athletes that want to spit bars, mm. um, <laughs> and normally it ends tragically. It, Very <laughs> tragically. We see it happen all the time. And so, like. Were you ever worried about that? I mean, because because listen, I mean, you you came out the gate swinging, but you don't <laughs> know for sure that that's how it's going to be received, um, especially when you are creating an alter ego as a, mm-hmm. as a as a as a as a as a as a music performing artist. Is that going to be received as cheesy or is it going to be received as authentic? Like. What was the process? Because I'm always interested in process. It's like, because yeah. we don't do these things in a vacuum. We, we think about this or we don't. Think Absolutely. About it. And, and I'm wondering for you, especially that young, having had some wins early, like you could have coasted as an actor and been mm-hmm. like, this is my shit. But you said, nah, you know what? I'm going to release some music. Like, so, so what? I've- Man, I <laughs> I've always been a music head. I remember it it took me it it wasn't until I've done like things later on in my career like Red Tails or like I don't know, even even like certain like the breaks or things like of that nature that I was like, yo, I love acting. Yeah. Like I love the idea of it. I love creating the characters. I love building the characters because at first it was just something fun for me to do. Like all of that stuff was fun. Um, my love was always music. So even when I moved to LA to do 90210, I was more happy to move to LA to start songwriting. Mm. So even at even as soon as as soon as I got out, out to LA and I was able to start moving around and meeting people, I was starting to jump into studio sessions. I was working with like, you know, writing underneath like Harold Lilly, who's done mm-hmm. stuff for Janet Jackson, for Alicia Keys, you know, Kanye West, et cetera, et cetera. Working with Warren Campbell, mm-hmm. um, and uh, starting to just record. Working with Dre and Vidal, like I was I was out there writing writing and recording 
I, I was writing joints with with Faith, uh, with Faith Evans. Uh, just just literally, my manager uh, my manager at the time was kind of moving me around um, and getting me in the in the in different music places. It was it was amazing. Tank and and everybody over there, the Jay Valentines and all who are, of them. who are really like <clears throat> Jay is an underrated genius. Oh man, I I, I tell everybody. Uh, me, it's so funny. Me and Jade Valentine were having a conversation the other day about a conversation that we had years ago. Me and Eric Bellinger pulled him to the side. He came to the studios. He came to one of me and Eric's studio sessions. And me and Eric were like just telling him, like, yo, bro, you don't even understand what you've done for our type of R&B, bro. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of people kind of try to put you in a box and say that, you know, hyphy R&B, regionalized, whatever, whatever. But like, bro, you're, there's a reason why, you know, Chris Brown, there's a reason why me, uh, Eric Bellinger, there's a reason why guys like us can make the music that we make. Um, of course, you know, it even goes back further, like even the Jodeci days and all of that. But you were the first one in our generation to show that, yo, you can be from a certain place and you can make mm-hmm. R&B that's not soft and speaks like the hip hop. That's mm-hmm. some R&B that hits just as hard as some, some hip hop guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, be light skinned uh, all at the same time. And be, and be <laughs> light skinned at the same time. Because, because that's the other thing people don't know. Like Jay and his brother are the most gangster light skinned dudes I know. Ever. Ever. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But no, but, I mean. Yo, man. But 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 still, I mean, so so it it was it was doing all of that work that gave you the confidence. It start it started there. That's that's where the confidence was building, right? It's you know starting to write under these guys and and building that pen or just building just building kind of like a a, a certain level of consistency in what I was doing at the time. That's what made me feel like all right, cool. Like I could I could step out into my own on my own two feet. So even, even back then I released a few songs. Like I, I had a song out called fall for her that, that was under, that I released under Tristan Wilds. I had a song, I had a bunch of like little joints that I released, I, even a mixtape called remember, remember just like five, six records I released mm-hmm. um, on the 5th of November. Uh, and I, I was just, I was, I was so hyped to just release music. And I was seeing that it wasn't fully catching because everybody was connecting Tristan Wilds. Yeah. It was like, all right, cool. I was like, you know what? I would, I would much rather just become a songwriter um, and let people sing my songs than anything else. So after I came out with Remember, Remember, Salam Remy heard a song. Me and Salam were really cool at the time. Another brilliant So Salam, brother. yeah, the, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, so he heard a song that I did on that project called Cold that I did with Warren Campbell. And he was like, oh, he said, yo, that, that's that record right there. That's something. He's like, that record right there is something like that feels like, that feels like you can compete with stuff that's out right now. So from then, from then on, every time I would come to the studio, he would press play on like songs that he was, he was working on that. He's like, okay, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to drop anywhere in the next couple months, these are the songs that I've done that are coming out play Neo's new new record. He'd play mm-hmm. Miguel's new record. He's like, listen, I just, I just want you to know like what you're up against. Um, and then finally, uh, it was one year after nine, like one year, like I think during the last year of 902 and he's like, listen, 
I'm going to Miami for, for Christmas. You know, that's my, that's where I really live. Uh, I'm going to Miami for, uh, over the Christmas break and uh, I want you to come down. Let's record a couple of songs. Let's see what it does. Like if you come out here for a week, let's see what happens. I said, all right, sounds good. I went out there for seven days. We recorded about like eight songs in seven days and maybe five of them went on the project. Just about like five of them went on the project on the first, on New York, a love story. All like it, it started with him. It started with him just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. Uh, us having a conversation like, yo, I live in LA, but I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing LA music. I'm tired of hearing, <laughs> I'm tired of being from New York and not hearing no New York music from our New York artists. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's nothing that feels like home, bro. Like I, I want something that feels like home. So even going out there, the first couple records that he throws my way are tests to see what I can do. So there's, there's like a Neo record first. Um, <clears throat> he's like, yo, Neo wrote like the first verse and like the hook of this record. Um, I just want you to record it. I want to see how your voice sounds on it and took it out of here. And he was like, you think you could write the rest of it? I said, how much time do I have? <laughs> wrote the rest of that record um then we started then he was like yeah we got to find records that sound like new york we started crate digging like literally going through his his albums pulling stuff out okay oh snap mob deep burn yeah let's play this flip that oh snap you me him and her jay-z now nah, we need to flip that i was like i'm from staten island i need a wu-tang joint yep. yo let's get a uh, <laughs> wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with on here like yo we need this like we started really just going in after that those first initial tests of records to see how I would, how I performed on them. Um, As the whole, with the whole idea of coming out under a whole different guise, that was a, it was a mix between me and Salam's idea. Like I kept on telling Salam, I realized that people don't, people don't respond if they know who I am right off the bat. Hmm. And I, I, was, I was like, it's 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 the it's the mindset of like, yo, we don't know who this, we don't know who this is, oh, oh we know who this is, so we don't want to open our ears. You got to surprise them with it because it, it would anybody that I was around, I would have to press play and then say who I say, oh yeah, this is a song that's this is me on this record. What? <laughs> Versus the so, other so way you, around. You were Kanye in them. Yeah. Versus the other way around. Right. So, uh, Salam was like, all right, let's run with that. He's like, okay. Um, he's like, all of your friends call you Mac. I was like, yeah, that's, that's my name. Like that's been my name forever. Like this has been my family name. Everybody's called me Mac. He's like, cool. Let's run with that. And from then on, like, I'm, I'm telling you, it was so funny. Like literally the day that he said, let's run for that, uh, Salam, found the name Mac Wilds. Nobody had it. Mm-hmm. He locked it down on, on both social sites. He's like, listen, it's, 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 we're, we're gonna, we're gonna strike fast and we're gonna strike hard. It's gonna, it's they're not gonna know what hit him. So the, even then, uh, before we even released the records, we were having people over at the house, uh, at his house. He has this beautiful house in Miami. Beautiful. It, it looks like the crib from Belly, low key. Like, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Um, and uh, he's bringing different people over, and he's like, "Yo, uh, Neo's coming over today. Uh, I want you to stay in the basement. He has a studio in the basement. He's like, I want you to stay in the basement, and when I call you and tell you to come upstairs, come upstairs." So, like, all right. 
So, you know, he'll have, he'll play different people, the, the records, whether it's, whether it's an artist, whether it's uh, an executive, play them the records and be like, yeah, this is this young kid I'm working with. And everybody's like, yo, this shit, cra- yo, who is this? <laughs> I, you know, this kid, I'm, this kid from Staten Island. Word, yo, what does he look like though? Like that, you know, Salam, that's the biggest thing. We got to know what he looks like to, for everything to make sense. He's like, word. Yeah. He's downstairs. Let me, let me call him. Yo, yo, Matt, come upstairs real fast. I come upstairs and every single time, swear to God, everybody's like, Oh, what's up, Tristan? <laughs> like that's Mac. <laughs> what? <laughs> Crazy. So, so speak to yeah. me for this, man. Cause, cause, I love that story for more than a number of reasons, but I got I got two teenage boys right now that want to be more famous than they do great. And, <laughs> and, and, and they almost can't help it because of how the narrative of the business is. Like, so literally, just how important is it? Like, you, you literally laid out for me a process. And so... Yeah. Yeah, there was it was there was an organic nature to how you made music and what you wanted to talk about and and that was not um contrived. But there was research that y'all did. There was there was thinking around it. There was a process. You didn't broadcast your practices. Like mm-hmm. like how important as as folks think about this business is it one how important is it for the people you have around you? Two mm-hmm. How important is it to think of this through the lens of a business versus just the passion that comes through the creation piece? Man, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. I was just, again, I was talking about this yesterday with, with, uh, with, well, not yesterday. It was like two days ago with, with Jay Valentine. Um, I think there's a problem with, with a lot of us artists. Right. And, uh, a lot of times we, we, um, we romanticize the art that we do, or we, we romanticize the idea of being famous or just anything along the lines. We, 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 we don't, we tend to forget that this is a business. They're always with, with this music business, of course, you have to love what you do. You have to love it because there are going to be times that if you don't love it, you're, it, you, it is going to suck. You ha- like, there has to be a love thing attached to it to keep you, to keep you wanting to be there. Um, but ultimately this is a business. There has to be thought. There has to be understanding uh, of marketplace. There has to be study. There has to be study. Uh, I remember that was one of the biggest things with, with own it. I was nervous about it, but Salam wasn't. Hmm. I was very much like, yo, there's nothing that sounds like this in our soundscape. Like, I don't even know where we would land when it comes to radio. He's like, mm-hmm. that's where we want to land. We're <laughs> un- uncharted territory. Like if everybody's doing what, that thing, we got to go left. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, and it's the thing about it is that it's familiar enough that people will respond to it but it's it's different enough that it can live on its own it, it you, you have a chance to be a small fish in uh in a section of this big pond that people can just look at you um i was like dang i never thought of it like that so it, it, there is a lot of 
there's a there is a lot of research. There is a lot of thought that goes into this. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and become a robot or you know try to you know try to map everything out. But right. the the smartest guys do. Drake is Drake because he's a genius at understanding his marketplace and understanding uh, who he's aiming his music at. He understands his fan base. He understands what they like, how they, they understand how he understands how they absorb music now. Uh, and he is constantly learning different ways to do that. Dude, I had a conversation, um, even Jay, I had a conversation with Will. I am um, mm-hmm. years ago about their decision to bring on Fergie. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they were an underground hip hop group. And and it was only real hip hop heads that was vibing with him. And he was like, we want to do more than this. And he said, I literally spent a year researching marketing and audience engagement and all of this. And he was like, I saw Fergie and we brought her in and we shifted not who we were, but how we rolled. And he was like, lights out. Yeah. And so that, to your point, is. You one, you got to decide who you want to be in this business, exactly, and have a level of integrity to that. And yep. then two, you got to decide too, man, if you want to be, <clears throat> if you just want to be an artist, you don't have to sell shit at all. If you want to be an artist that's an entertainer, that's different. People got to buy it, and yep. and those require different pieces. L- let me ask you this, man, because I'm not gonna hold you too much longer. I I so I know that you've done Tales, you've done 15, you've done Dinner for Two, you've done mm-hmm. uh, Last Fair Deal, but I've, I've just been consumed, man, in what it was like for you to be Deputy Joshua Beck. <laughs> because I just thought that that was such a powerful, it was such a powerful storytelling um, project. And, yeah. and, and it, it, it shifted. It was one of those things that elevated the complexity of humanity and who people are and how they show up and, and how it's hard to, to even demonize people for the worst thing they've done. Cause sometimes the worst mm-hmm. thing they've done isn't who they are. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering for you why you took that role in particular because there's not a lot of brothers that want to take brothers take roles of a cop that shot somebody um so was that was that an what was the intentionality for you around that role and and how was that project for you in particular um at the time at the time we were going through uh what was it seemed like the rise of the highest like it was the highest time of of police shootings right Mm -hmm. It was like the, it was the the beginning of like the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, just understanding where we where we were and even me being on the front lines marching you know and and you know working with <clears throat> working with D Ray and and trying to figure out different ways that uh, we can shift our culture and and just again, just get people to listen to us and, and understand what we're doing, man. Um, or, or what we want, which is just to be human, man. All, all we really want is to be treated as humans. Uh, you, there's a, there's, there's rarely times that you, as an artist, unless you, unless you make your own, um, art, um, there's rarely times that you get a chance to use your art as, a as a weapon 
or to use it as as a as something towards something something like of this nature mm-hmm. so like when when gina injection. came around and kind of yes so when gina came around and and started telling me about the story started telling me about joshua and how she wanted him to play the idea behind the story how it versus it just being something that's flipped on its head we're we're using we're using uh two parallels and kind of just telling the story of like, you know, uh, what, what America looks at a black man as and what America looks at a white man as, uh, I, I was, I was convicted to, it it just, it just made sense. It, it, it literally, it felt like, okay, I have an opportunity to do something and I would feel, I would feel crazy not jumping at this opportunity because of anything like because of somebody feeling a certain way or whatever like th- it was it was one of the moments that I was I, I was very much like I w- I want somebody to feel away I want somebody <laughs> to I want somebody to be upset mm-hmm. I want somebody to say something because that's going to start the conversation that has mm-hmm. that that could potentially change uh everybody's thinking so I, I wanted to stir some shit up, man. I wanted, I even, even early on, I remember my aunt calling me after we did it. Um, with, and another thing that was crazy about it, bro, like we, we, sh- the days were long. A lot of day, a lot, a lot of days were longer than used. Like we were supposed to. And, uh, some days bled into other days to where we had to push the shoot back, uh, or the end date of the shoot back a week. And we wound up literally ending this. It doesn't make any sense how this worked, but we literally ended up ending the show. The day that we ended the show or finished working on the show was Emmett Till's birthday. Wow. And if you walk into the writers, the writer's room before we even shot a single roll of film or knew the days that we were going to shoot, there's, they have, posters of all of the young black men that were killed or the young black women that were killed. And Emmett Till is at the head of the office. Uh, just so you kind of see, uh, how, how we look at young black boys and girls. And I think that was, that in itself was, uh, scary. Like it was just one of those weird moments. Again, you look up and it's like, Oh, I hear you guy. Um, but yeah, man, I want I wanted to start a conversation. I wanted I wanted people to, I wanted I very much wanted people to talk or the people to say something like this isn't right. Yeah. Well and yeah. I and I know that's not your most recent project, which is why I mentioned some of those other pieces, but to me it's so timely, unfortunately. Yeah. Still and and I I rewatched it, I re binge watched it with my wife because she hadn't seen it. And it was like a Saturday night. And we looked at each other like, this ain't really no Saturday night content kind of binge watching. <laughs> I'm like, I'm mad as hell right now. Um, but, it, but it was so brilliantly done because I, I think it really was about that, that human piece. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I'm appreciative for that. What I want to know, though, man, is what's next? And, and, I don't, and I, don't mean that, I don't mean that in a project way. No, I mean, I especially even as you're coming out of Ramadan. And mm-hmm. we're in the midst of this this truth serum moment of itself. Um, yeah. What 
do you, what are you feeling like is the next evolution for Tristan as a man that, that you can share um, or that man. you're even beginning to envision? Man, uh, I've, I have, I think during this time, during this time, more than ever, uh, I've always felt this way, especially after realizing that I loved acting as much as I did. I think I had to step away from acting to realize how much I loved acting. Mm. Um, I remember, I remember being on tour with Khalifa and we stopped one of our stops was, was I think in Texas and they were shooting a film that I was, that they wanted me to shoot, uh, that they wanted me for. Uh, and I turned it down because I was going on tour and I was like more focused on music at the time. And I got on set and I'm looking around and I'm like, Oh, I miss this. Mm. I miss this a lot. Like I miss this. I miss that. Like, I, I miss this feeling. I look at my manager who was on tour with me at the time. I'm like, yeah, we got to get back into acting. Like I got to do something. I turned down so much for music, man. Like it was, it was, it was crazy. There was a time that I was, I, I said, you know, nah, just music come. I have to do music. I have to do music. Like everything, get, everything gets shut down because I have to do music. Um, anyway, uh, I think right now more than ever, I have realized how much of just a, a natural, a natural born creative I am like, I've taken this time to even write scripts mm. to, to like figure out things I want to direct. Um, I'm, I'm helping other friends with other, like other production and it's, yeah, man, I, I think the next, the next evolution of, of Tristan Mac Wilds is kind of like showing everybody a, a full fledged, like creative, like, like directing the next project or, mm. or, you know, writing, being in a writer's room of, of a show or, you know, just kind of, and again, I'm, I'm, I've always been one of the guys who is, I am, I, I always want to do the work. Like yeah. I, I always, I, I don't give me no handouts. Mm -hmm. Don't give me no like freebies. Don't give me the extra push up because of something I did before. Nah, I want to be in the trenches. I want to cook like everybody else cooked just so that I could show one that I'm, I'm, I can do it and that I, I, uh, how much I want to grow. Uh, so yeah, man, but it sounds I, I like, think it sounds like you want acting to be for you what music has been able to be. Yeah. And, and that is direct moving your own vision, your own creative. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that's a, that's a different proposition on the small screen or the big screen, but clearly one that you've prepared for uh, yeah. at this point. But, but it's, I'm excited about that. Cause I want to, I want to see what that vision looks like as you start doing some real storytelling, man, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, yeah, man. Cause we, we got some stuff. It's going to be fun. The world it's needs gonna be really fun. Um, Thanks man. So let me ask you this, bro. I got two quick things. One, I want to do something with you called one gotta go. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to read a list and you tell me which one has to go. We're going to start okay. easy and we're going to get more difficult. So easy. All right, all right. Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. One's got to go. TikTok. Yeah, you're a grown man. I get it. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instagram is Instagram is I, I'm I'm always on Instagram for like inspiration, not like visual inspiration. Mm-hmm. I have like a, a small personal page that I kind of use for like as a vision board, and then you know my regular page. But uh, and and Twitter, the commentary on Twitter is bar none. Uh, the the best stuff <laughs> you're gonna get anywhere. It's amazing, especially when you're. I I do Twitter now for entertainment versus participation. Yes, because intellectually, I don't have the patience for trying to have deep conversation or debate in segmented, you know, pieces. But I can read it. Oh no no I no no! Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a fantastic. It's 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 like smutty novels. Exactly. <laughs> All right, now we're getting harder. Okay. Uh, Tupac, Biggie, mm. Mm. Jay-Z. One's got to go. Dang. <laughs> hey, we, we, we jumped from we jumped from one extreme to the next. We Goodness did. Goodness gracious. We did. Uh, um... Dang man, I would have honestly, I would have to say, big. Wow. To me, Jay, yeah, Jay. And I think it's just a, I think it's a generation thing. Mm-hmm. Jay is to me what big was to their generation. Um, well, in, in a lot of like, ways, you almost, you, it was almost a cop out, because there is no Jay, without big. Exactly. So you, so in essence, you did the intellectual, Yoda mind trick on me. Uh, <laughs> and pick the and pick the one that says I'm, I'm really honoring Biggie by picking Jay. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, now here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Denzel. Mm. Forrest Whitaker. Mm. Or Don Cheadle. One's gotta go. <laughs> Oh man. All three are fantastic. Ridiculously fantastic. Um <clears throat> dang. Uh you know who has to go? Forrest Whitaker. Wow. I love Forrest Whitaker. Love Forrest Whitaker. Don Cheadle has always to me disappeared in his roles. Don like it's it's Uncanny. it's scary the work that that man does, um, and you always know and, that half of the roles weren't cast for the black dude. <laughs> it, but somehow he did it. Yes. Um, and Denzel is, you know, we could say Denzel is Denzel, but speaking from literally just an actor's mindset and what he does, he can't help that he is Denzel. But mm-hmm. acting wise. Every time he shows up, he shows up, and 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 there's time. It, the best thing about Denzel is that people will be like, "Oh, you're just Denzel in every movie," and then he'll give you, uh, he'll give you, oh, what's the last joint that he did? The Thomas, the oh, the uh, the attorney joint. Um, yeah, the, Esquire, the, the attorney joint, uh, which was unbelievable, ridiculous, ridiculous completely lost Denzel in the role yes. turns into somebody else. It was He's what like, Jamie you. wanted the violin to be. 
He's like, yo, you want this? I'll give you this. Yeah. You want this? I'll give you this. And then gave us fences. Oh my God. Like he is, he is, he is one of those guys that like every time, yeah. like if you're going to a movie to see Denzel, he has those. If you're I, going I, to I, a movie I, to see some real acting. He got those. Like he has whatever think, you need. I think that category was the most difficult because, because yeah. force is still an unbelievable is, character actor. Like understand, Forrest is ridiculous. Because to be Idi Amin, to be Idi Amin, and then to be—I mean—the interesting thing is that I actually think Forrest is a better character actor than Denzel. But there is an energy and fire that Denzel brings, especially for the box office, that's Mm -hmm. different than Forrest. Um, yeah. and, and so it just depends. So here's the last one. This is the hardest one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Music. Uh-huh. Acting. Uh-huh. Or writing. Goodness gracious. Ha. Oh, man. um i i I, the funniest thing is there is i have one answer like i i can choose i can actually only choose one thing because the acting and music to me are acting and music to me are i can't choose between them man it's Mm -hmm. it's like two children but it's like the person who birthed these children is writing. Yes. For me. That writing was, that to was the me, curveball. Yeah. <laughs> writing to me was is always been the thing that has led me to everything else. Like I, I, I loved acting because I was getting good scripts to read. Um and and it even even breaking down my characters, like I have to write, I have to write out like a a journal entry for the character, like in his voice to kind of illustrate what he, what he sounds like, what his, what his, what he loves, the things that he doesn't like, his reason for being, um, everything for me is writing. Everything for me is, uh, I can see it all through writing. So I can't even choose between acting and music, but writing is definitely up there. The other two. Um, I guess it just depends on what I'm writing. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm actually going to put this, this piece into the middle of the interview. So I'm going to, I'm going to introduce it in a way that sounds like it's, it's going in. Okay. So, so let's take a break from the conversation real quick. Cause I know you're a thinker. Um, yes. I know you are a closet historian and <laughs> I'm curious if you could curate a COVID virtual dinner party. With three brothers, living or dead, who would be the three you would invite? Man, um, the three I would invite. I would invite Pac. Hmm. Um, I would invite Pac. I, there's, there's something, there's something infectious about his spirit, man, uh, or, or even just kind of what you, what you see. 
Uh, he's one of the guys that I would really want to kind of sit down and talk to and try to try to pick his brain. Literally, that's all the dinner would be. It would be me wanting to hear great stories and me picking people's brains. So it would be Pac. It would be uh, Malcolm X. Uh, I really want to like sit down and just understand his uh, his mindset, his reason for being, and even even uh, understanding after he left the sect of of uh islam that he did uh what was his what was his mindset like how scared was he actually with uh, everything going on he was the most visible brother who left us with the most questions because you do know malcolm x has not published one piece of writing yeah we had his speeches we had his interviews um but but the world was really robbed um by him not having the room to write uh, mm-hmm. I, I totally feel you on that one. Uh, and the third one, the third one would be literally just because he's a uh, he's a legend, and I and I would I would want to pick his brain, and I and I can't wait till they do a movie about him because I want to play him, uh, Quincy Jones. Yeah. Now you've talked to him before, though, haven't you? Yeah, I've sat down. I've talked to him like once or twice. We got a chance to really talk, but like to have him at a dinner Dude. party. And uh, like hear the stories and understand what him and Michael were going through, or like him and Frank Sinatra, like the stories go on and on. I I, I would that would be a dinner party. I would I I would yeah. And he's such a giver, like yeah, he, he man, will, man. like for, like for cats in the industry, like any of the brothers listening right now, like Quincy is so insane because if you meet him and he feels anything from you, he'll give you his home number. And, mm-hmm. and it's like the real home number. It's like not some side number. And if you call every now and again, he'll actually pick it up. And, mm-hmm. and, and cats just don't do that, especially not yeah. cats like Quincy Jones. Uh, I, oh, man. I, now that is a party. Pac, yeah. Malcolm, Quincy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah. I just want to be a waiter. Um, (laughs) so brother listen man i i am so thankful man for you being gracious with your time and and being willing to share brother and and um just just your um i I feel like we've been brothers at a distance uh because i think Mm -hmm. you know cats who you you see uh here and there and and while y'all may not talk on a regular basis it's always love and it's always respect and it's always honor Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I, I appreciate that, man. I, I very much do. So thank you for coming through Men Thrive, man. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, brother. Yo, thanks for listening to Men Thrive. Did you like us? If you like us, visit your go-to podcast provider and check out other episodes. And also go deeper by joining our community at menthrive.com. 